0: Welcome back to Bread and Butter, everybody, where we are serving up the basics for Hearthstone improvement. Today, Doc will not be with us today. He's a little under the weather, but we have a special guest today, and that is, I'm going to try to say it correctly, Magasa. How'd I do? Yes. You did well. All right. All right. Fantastic. Megesa I know very well, or at least very well, tangentially, from being in the Coincency Discord. We uh, interact about uh, cards a lot, and she's also been... Well, we'll talk about where, you, where you've where you been recently, but... um. What have you been doing inside the game of Hearthstone lately? Uh,
1: Well, what I've been doing um, right now, I've kind of been bouncing back and forth between um, Twist and Standard. So in Twist I was doing Overload Shaman and then I was doing Agro Beast Druid because that deck is ridiculously good. And, I mean, even, you know, the tracker side statistics are always a bit inflated, but it was, like, 72% or something on HS Replay, Um, which is crazy. Um, There were a lot of Hala mages, though. Um, (laughs) Even though I was doing alright versus them at a certain point, um, I wanted to switch to Standard, and also I do want to hit Legend and Standard this month still. Um, So been playing, um, trying to learn Fireman Rage and Outcast Demon Hunter a little bit better because those are decks that are really fun and have a little bit of a learning curve that I just haven't gotten myself up as much this month. Um, so I was really taking a look at those and also with an eye to the Coin Concede uh, Listener Series that I'm in, um, I wanna bring them but I need a little practice before I bring them. Not the kind of deck you wanna bring
0: I don't know if you need any practice at Warrior because I've tried bringing Warrior every week and it has been banned every week. So if that goes, you can just bring it and never expect to play it. There we
1: go. Just <laughs> hope that, the, that my opponent doesn't listen and just, just bluff.
0: Just. <laughs> I've, I've actually done that at times where it's like I want to bring these two decks. This deck is likely to get banned. I haven't been playing it. I'm just going to bring it, hope they ban it, and just play the two decks I'm familiar with. <laughs> um, is it smart? No Has it worked? Yes There you um, go <laughs> so, Now my
1: problem is that I've, People know that I really like the Priest decks And so they'll just ban it Even if the stats say they shouldn't <laughs> I'll be like, oh, Magesa I, likes Priest So we better ban Priest
0: I've run into the same thing When I played a lot of Shadow Priests People just, they didn't matter what else I was bringing They're like, Tito's playing the Shadow Priest So let's not let him play that Which is fine so I haven't played Twist yet. I haven't played one game of Twist yet, and I realized. Um, so Ben Heathstone said that hey, if um, the the progression for the event doesn't happen like it normally does, and it's a bug, and they know about it, but that event's going to end up um, the event's going to end up real soon over. But I wanted to. So I missed the first week in or the last week of June when they had the event start or when they had the first season. Um, so we started in this next month. And I want to hit legend before I even get into twist. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want to get distracted. I don't want to find some fun there because I want to just get to legend. I want to be done. I want to get as high up as I can and then try to maintain that. So I'm trying to do that before I hit twist. And um, it's going very middling. Uh, I was doing really well last night um, on stream. I was playing not the. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I wasn't playing the, Chad Druid. I was playing Big Druid. That I think is a Jombre version. It runs the Rhythm and Roots. It runs the Drum Circles. It runs uh, uh, the what the, the six mana four fours. Summon a two mana cop, or a two health copy of a minion in your deck. Uh, Mast Reveler. Right, Mast Reveler. It, it's running Neptulons. It's a fun deck. Classic Jombre. sounds fun. <laughs> So, I was talking about it in, in the Discord yesterday. I was like, well, when should I coin coin growth on turn one? If like you have a coin and an innervate. And we, we were having a discussion about that. And they were saying, what are you running this deck for? You should be running the more optimized version, which is the one that has the the Bohemoths and the, the Chad and whatever. And I said, all right, first game I lose, I'll switch to that deck. And I ran off like a nine-game win streak. And I was up to about D two and then I lost and I played a few games with that deck and I started winning and losing and then like I'll just finish the climb this morning or whatever and I've just fallen back down to like d4 d3 so um I'm not sure which deck I'm going to use I just want to finish the climb and and get there but it's been a lot of fun but I want to get there done I don't want I don't want to get the twist until that happens but um what have you been doing outside the game uh well
1: I had this week off from work I um teach middle and high school Um, and, uh, and I am teaching over the summer, but not this week. Um, but I've been, I'm taking a, like, graduate school class, um, studying educational therapy. Um, and it's really interesting, and it's a ton of work. So, um, I've been trying to catch up on all of that. Um, going on a bit of a road trip tomorrow up to the Sierras. Um, but... So that'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be kind of the one little trip thing that I do this week. Um, went to the county fair uh, with a friend who kind of, we've gone to the county fair every year since high school. So that was fun to be able to do that with her. Um, but yeah, I actually um, uh, have been, I'll have like a couple of days when I'm really on Hearthstone and then a couple of days when I'm like, Busy with life, and then have to catch up. I'll be like, you have so many unread messages um, on the you know new expansion discussion, and I'm going, oh gosh, do I do I read them or do I not read them? I need to know the new cards and keep up with the reveals and keep up with uh, the game and the listener series, and so I'm trying to find that balance. Um, uh, but I, you know, really. I feel like I've done a pretty good job this week of finding the balance of staying engaged with the game to the extent that I really enjoy being engaged with the game, but also not falling behind in real-life <laughs> obligations. So,
0: Okay, we need to take this back a step, though. County Fair. Mm-hmm. What are your go-to foods at the County Fair?
1: I had a mac and cheese that actually ended up being very bougie because it had gouda <laughs> instead of regular cheese, um, and a ton of garlic. And also garlic fries, obviously. Um, and a churro. So those were my my main. Uh, you, you have to really think carefully about what you're gonna get for dessert at the county fair because there's so many options. And that wasn't actually necessarily my first choice, but then I wanted something a little bit lighter because I had eaten so much mac and cheese. <laughs> and I'm going, ah, this is how I tell I'm not 18 anymore. I don't have an endless ability to eat. So, um, but yeah, what what are your county fair foods?
0: Well, i obviously it's usually corn dogs sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. funnel cakes or um depending on where it is funnel cakes or maloladish or some version of a fried dough with sugar mm-hmm. and cinnamon. Um classic. Yeah, i i that's usually my go-to. Um i i I like going to like more less country fairs and more like rib fests. Mm-hmm. Where it's like there's a theme, there's a food theme, and, and, and like this, so we have rib fest coming up, I think in a few weeks, and it's got you know seven or eight different booths of people bringing the best ribs or what they say is the best ribs, and it's hard to have actually really good ribs from any of these places because they're trying to do them so fast. Mm-hmm. Their sauce is good, but like it's just slathered on; it doesn't have that time to absorb. So what I, what we've what we've done a lot of times, especially since COVID is instead of bringing everybody to the fair i'll go to the fair i'll go to like three different booths i'll get some ribs to go we let them sit for like a day and then we eat them and they're a lot better so uh, i like the ribs yeah um but i'll eat something like a fried oreo or a fried twinkie you know that that, just to try it um as they say you can deep fry just about anything not that you should deep fry just about anything but you know it works
1: it's America. It's the celebration of America is that we deep fry whatever we feel like.
0: The celebration of needing to see a doctor in your 40s. Um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, but I actually, so I just came, speaking of eating, I just came back from Disney World. And that's why I didn't really participate in Twist when it came out. And of course, my first day, my travel day was Tuesday of last week, which is when Twist was uh, released and you know busy there and and i'm like you know what i could probably try to get a game in or two but i just i'm, I'm like i'm taking the week off i'm just kind of disconnecting and, and doing the thing and i got to go on a couple i got to go on tron i got to go on guardians of the galaxy both fun rides i don't think tron was tron too short um really fun too short for the hour-long wait you have and do you know how these work now you have to sign up for a virtual queue and at 7 o'clock in the morning, you have to be on your phone and you have to be clicking on it. And wow. if you don't get it by one, you're not going to make that queue. They reopened it again at 1 o'clock, but some rides you have to get in that queue. And that queue doesn't get you right on the ride. It's not like FastPass. You could actually individually pay for a FastPass for these rides that are like 20 bucks. So you say, I wanna, I'm already paying to go to the park. You pay for the genie. Which lets you go onto the like schedule lightning rounds for a lot of rides, but then there's also special genie rides for the new rides, which cost more, which gets you in the quicker lanes to do the rides and spend less time. Now, it seems crazy. I actually don't hate some of the systems because it's a time versus money thing, right? Like you can be a free-to-play player, you're gonna eventually get all the cards you need, it's gonna take you a long time in investment. Or you can just buy packs. This is the same thing here. You can pay to not wait on a two hour line or you can wait on a two hour line and then do the same thing so it depends on i always say we're already spending all this money to go to Disney world what's an extra whatever Mm -hmm. amount of money to save myself time so we did that but the guardians was a lot of fun it's 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 really like a bunch of rides all mixed into one it's like space mountain meets rock and roller coaster meets rise of the resistance because it's you're in a have you been on any of these yet I haven't been recently. No, I went
1: probably fifteen years ago, ten, fifteen years ago. So I haven't been on the new rides.
0: So, well, Guardians just came out a couple months ago, I think. Or actually, no, Guardians a year ago. Tron was a couple months ago. And the Guardians ride, it like it's a roller coaster, like like the rock and roller coaster, the Aerosmith one. But so it's in the dark. It's in the dark, like Space Mountain. But at the same time, like the cart shifts and turns. So, like, your individual spot turns to look at a screen where you see a big thing going on, and you got the music playing behind you. I guess there's six different songs, and it's like, I, I got on um, Disco Inferno, which was great. But um, it's a lot of fun. It, it's intense. Like, I, I see people bringing, like, five, six-year-olds on it. I don't know why you would do something like that, but it is what it is. Um, but we're not just here. So, so that's why I, I, I miss Twist. Um, obviously, I'll try to get to it before the end of the month, but I, I had a thing. But um, now is the time for our interview. So, Magesa, how did you get started in gaming and more specifically Hearthstone?
1: Well, I've always been, I've always played games. Um, I have a twin brother and we always played games together. Um, Eventually, we kind of diverged in our taste of games. Um, But when we were growing up, we had to like agree on the games and we always played together Um, I played a lot of like role-playing games um, Both on the computer and tabletop strategy games Indie games like Slay the Spire more recently like Hades of course Um, I played a bit of Magic the Gathering not a ton and a little bit of World of Warcraft not a ton Um, But those kind of set me up for Hearthstone a friend of mine got me into it in college and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't play it like super seriously I was hanging out in like gold, platinum, playing really bad homebrew priest decks mostly, um, and like trying to make inner fire combos work even when they weren't good, <laughs> so. Um, but I had a good time. Um, and then I took a break, um, just cause I had more real life stuff going on in like late 2019. Um, I was I needed to kind of be more focused in IRL things. But then um, during the pandemic and Darkmoon Fair, which was late 2020, I came back um, and I got a lot more into the community um, and like the, you know, learned more about the fact that like, oh, there's sites with like data about decks and (laughs) there's all these streamers and there's so much more community that I could engage with. and that really, really improved me as a player. Um, so I hit Legend about two years ago, um, with uh unnerfed Illusia Shadow Priest, um, which was totally needed to I hit it like within hours of the nerf going in. It was like, surely I can pilot this deck to Legend in the last possible second before it's very well deserved nerf. Um and then uh I managed to sort of just really keep improving every month, um, and even get into the 11x range and my peak, which is not where I am right now, but my peak was, uh, rank 270 in March, um, as a finish, thank you, um, with, uh, the Burn Undead Priest that was popular in March of the Lich King, um, and that was a really exciting experience to be playing against like people with golden card backs um streamers and then you could go look up on the stream after what what they said while they either beat you or got beaten um i would get re- i would get like really nervous the first couple times that, that happened um then i didn't quite it took me a while to adjust to the change in the meta i haven't quite been able to get to that same level again but I think that I know it's something that I can do. And I know that, um, you know, In some, it's hard to break into a new rank bracket and then not be in that rank bracket. Um, but I think growth doesn't necessarily work like I've made this progress. And so now I'm just always there and it's easy to be there now. Um, I think that also, you know, I had a lot more going on um, in... Real life, sort of after March, than I did during March. So that's also something important to keep in mind. Um, and I think I'm learning a broader variety of decks as opposed to when I was really at my peak. I was like very much a one deck specialist um, with the Undead Priest and before that with Naga Priest. Um, just like I have like 800 games of Naga Priest, like the same build in my deck tracker. <laughs>
0: i did i did quite the same thing with shadow priest and that's kind of when i hit my I, I forget what my peak was um i have it written down somewhere but it was you know nice to see i ran into wicked good and wicked was like ah, i'm kind of surprised to see you up here like they, he kind of doubled t- <laughs> that out, <'cause laughs> I, I went on a, a crazy streak where i just i mean i got up to like you know a thousand and i got i got early legend once where i was uh under triple digits, and I was pretty happy with that. And I did, I do the same thing. Like, I would, I would find a deck. I would always struggle to find a deck. And then when I found the deck, I would stick with it and play it. Like, I played Habu uh, Gabu Shaman to a legend, and it took a while to get there. And I did the Undead Priest, and and I had uh, Be- Big Beast Hunter. And, like, I would, I would latch on. Once I found a deck that I was pretty comfortable with, I would latch on to it. But then recently, I've started doing the THL. And so I'm trying to do that less, but I also like I like playing the same deck, like even with the Shadow Priest, I eight hundred nine hundred games, whatever it was, and I would still get into a matchup and I'd be like, what am I going to what what what's my mulligan here? I have two of these and one of these. How do I want to do this? And I don't think that it ever gets old. I I, mm-hmm. I know some people get tired of playing the same decks. Um, I don't. I love when I find a deck and just kind of going with it, and and it it's great. But um. So important question follow-up here, um, who's a better gamer, you or your brother?
1: Well, it depends on what kind of game. If you're talking board game or card game, I am. Um, if you're talking uh, like a MMO or like a, um, the role-playing games, we're about equal. MMO, he's better. Anything that's like timed and action-based, he's better. I think mean, he's definitely better than me, at Stellaris. We tried to play that together, and I was doing fine, and then my enemies start attacking me, and I'm like, wait, you didn't tell me how to do the war thing in this properly. He's like, oh, well, you should have been doing this and this and this and this and this the whole time. And I'm like, ah, can we start (laughs) over?
0: Now, does he play Hearthstone?
1: He does not play Hearthstone. He's done just enough to know what I'm talking about when I talk about it. Um, And he's played some like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic the Gathering, so he has some basic concepts of what a card game is made of um but uh haven't been able to actually get him into hearthstone i think it's he's the kind of guy who knows what kind of games he wants to play and plays them and <laughs> it's always been difficult to give him recommendations um because he kind of already knows what he's interested in so
0: Sure, but as 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 his twin sister, you probably know the right buttons to push to say, "Oh, get his competitive juices going." And say, "Oh, okay, fine. I I guess I guess you're probably you'd probably want to be good at this game anyway, or or whatever. You can't you can't like poke him a little bit to kind of get him in that direction.
1: Ah, uh, some, but he's he's also wary. I you mean, know, I used to do that a lot with the only game like Nintendo game that I ever beat him at growing up was Mario Kart, and he got wise to my tricks. Of trying to convince him to play Mario Kart instead of Super Smash Brothers which he was better at and still is better at I am still better at Mario Kart um so no we'll, we'll try to split it up equitably I did get him into Hades that was like my one recommendation recently that he took and actually was like oh this game is amazing but that's because the game is amazing so
0: yeah no 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 lies told here and to be fair my nine year old is better than me and Mario Kart and I, I just have to learn to accept that um uh, <laughs> But you recently have been on Coin Conceed, not once, but twice in the last two months, I think. Um, are you a content creator? Or are you aspiring to be one? So, like, where is this going? How did, how did this happen? And where is it going?
1: So, I mean, I was definitely um, surprised and really honored to be asked to be on Coin Conceed. I think I've just really been a... Since I found the Coin Conceed Discord maybe a year and a half ago or something like that. Um, I've really been really active and really tried to be, um, uh, sort of a positive and knowledgeable and just supportive person in the community. Um, of course, you know, I think there's a lot of really great people there. And so I was like, you know, they had, um, World 8, who's from the Discord on and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, but he makes like meta decks. (laughs) So, but I was, I was really glad to be asked. Um, and, uh, I definitely, you know, I'm not, I don't have any previous, um, content creation. Obviously, I kind of talk and explain things for a living as a teacher, but, um, not on the internet. Um, but I am interested, you know, I don't have any, like, definitive things that I can say right now about future plans. But, um, I am interested in podcasting. I'm potentially interested in streaming, Um, or, like, educational YouTube videos. Um, So I've been, uh, I'm taking some steps in that direction, but um, it's still something in the works to some extent. Um, But I I have been thinking for a long time about how I would like to get into the space in some way and thinking about some of the things that I would like to talk about, such as what we'll have as our future today. Um, Things that I might be able to, bring to the conversation, as well as just, you know, trying to learn about everyone else who's in the community, and, um, you know, one thing that I really love about my relationship with the game of Hearthstone is that it is a community for me, and it's not just a game that I'm playing, and that makes it really different than the other games that I play.
0: And you've already mastered some skills, you just put through a little tease right there for a future segment, that's, that's you're already well on your way. Uh just curious does your uh, partner also play Hearthstone or just enough to know what you're talking about or
1: also just enough to know what I'm talking about <laughs> He was really funny. He'd go in like yeah I when I first got him into it he would say I think I'll lose 3 games of Hearthstone. <laughs> he was just terrible. Um because he has no gaming background really or not in this kind of game anyway. Um uh really smart guy and not particularly background in this. I know that he could learn a lot more, but um, he ended up kind of stopping playing after a little while, but has learned enough and paid enough attention to me, to what I'm saying, um, which I appreciate, to have a good sense of it. And also just like overhear the podcast that I have going. So if if I'm tilted, he'd be like, what would Hat say about this? I don't play when I'm <laughs> tilted. Okay. <laughs> um, Very nice. So it's been very, very supportive um, of my, you know, taking time for Hearthstone, um, obviously in a way that also means that we're taking time with each other as well, (laughs) Um, and in my thinking about moving more into um, the community, potentially also as a content creator and not just as a um, person in the Discord, so... uh, yeah, I've been very much appreciated that. But no, not currently. I don't have any real life friends who still play. Uh, but
0: yeah. and if, you're, if your uh, boyfriend is listening to you listen to podcasts, um, if you happen to listen to Blizzlet, he might have different questions for you. <laughs> you ever listen to the Blizzlet, but they go a little uh, different direction with things. Um, so what is your favorite class?
1: My favorite class is Priest. It's kind of always been Priest, but different sides of Priest. Um, these days, Purple Priest is generally either Purple Priest or if Overkill Priest was better, I would definitely be jamming a lot of that. Um, but the, the proactive you Priest. Um, I do play other classes, um, especially if there's, you know, decks that are... Aggressive, but have some sort of flexibility in their plan um, are, tend to be my favorite. Um, so like Paladin was a lot more interesting to me like many people I think when it had the Horn of the Windlord even after it got nerfed, because that gives some burst damage in addition to your ability to win through the board. So you have that flexibility of more than one way to put together the damage. And I really like decks like that. Although sometimes I'll also just play a straight minion snowball deck. Like the swarm on that
0: it's interesting you say that though, because most people say, don't most people don't say priest is my favorite class. I really like being proactive <laughs> in back to back sentences because that seems connor except for the the recent shadow priest that seems counterintuitive to what priest normally likes to do
1: it definitely is I think. Part of why Proactive Priest decks have been appealing to me is that they tend to have another dimension. Not as much the current Swarm Undead, but um, they tend, because a lot of Priest Guards don't tend in that direction, um, their Proactive decks, such as like Naga Priest, had more than, you know, sort of multiple ways to go at the win. Um, It's also just kind of historical class loyalty. I used to be just like a value pile. Control player, <laughs> I would look forward to the Control Priest versus Control Warrior matchups that were going to take half an hour and get down to fatigue. You're trying not to play cards. Um, <laughs> so I, I do appreciate that as well, and I have maybe some loyalty to that. But yeah, just for whatever reason, the proactive priest strategies have really clicked with me in the past few years. Um, and I got Legend for the first time with Shadow Priest, so there you go.
0: Now. Um, is there a deck that you wait? Shadow Priest. I was Lucia in the Shadow Priest.
1: Yeah, she had been in Control Priest, where she was, I think, controversial but not overpowered. And then, when Shadow Priest became a thing in Stormwind, it was a problem because you'd play this hyper aggressive deck with Void Touch Attendant and a bunch of like one two drops, and then um and run out of gas. And then you just play Alucia, steal your opponent's hand, give them nothing. So they basically skip a turn. You play all their cards (laughs) because you had nothing else to do. And then you give it back. They have no hands. So they basically skip two turns. Um, And you have a whole bunch of refill from whatever they happen to have in their hands. So um, it was absolutely not how that card was meant to be played and absolutely needed to be nerfed into the ground. Um, And it was a lot of fun.
0: so yeah I just didn't I just didn't realize it was shadow like I remember people really hated Lucia. I didn't really care that much although every once in a while it would tilt you but like it didn't feel like it was that big of a deal but then yeah um so how about a, how about a class is there any class you really don't like or um want, If if you could pick one class to remove like your choice this class goes away which class would it be
1: oh gosh I mean the class that I've personally played the least of is warlock But I did enjoy Phylactery Warlock, but um, I don't know that I necessarily need to delete like that Warlock generally has done a lot of crimes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. Um,
0: Also not on the list I provided.
1: Yes, I think maybe just Blood Death Knight. (laughs) We can keep the other Death Knights. I enjoy Unholy Death Knight.
0: I don't think there's a lot of people that would argue with you.
1: I I, uh, just want to trying outcast, which of course, like that's its worst matchup. I run into one. So I just went and put them at five going, well, they have 30 cards in their deck. They might not have blood boil. They had blood boil. So I left.
0: They always have blood boil. And then they always have, they always have wrath weaver. and, And I always get tilted by wrath weaver. Not because it clears my board, not because it's a five, five, but it also generates corpses. It's like, do we really need to have Twisting Nether on a stick that also generates corpses? But anyway, I don't want to go off on that because there's a there's a channel for that we can talk in. Um, so what's your favorite deck of all time? I think we've already kind of alluded to it, but... Um, my
1: favorite deck of all time is Naga Priest because Naga Priest is able... There was kind of three game plans. There was the just snowball early game plan. There was the... Um, dare I say, mid-range game plan where um, maybe you didn't have as quick a start because you didn't find your Serpent Wig right away, but then you're able to get some really big minions kind of around turn four. Um, And sometimes if a deck couldn't deal with that, that was enough. And some decks you really needed to just kind of have any board stick in the late game, like any minion at all, and then play, you know, Radiant Elemental, um, your whole hand, a million... um, Uh, serpent wigs and bless and then hit them for like 30 with one minion um so having that flexibility of trying to figure out from what you drew and what your opponent is doing and what the matchup is which one you want to do it was the kind of deck where you can jam 800 games and still really be learning a lot about the deck um and then i also really enjoyed the um what we called the seven-up priest, seven undead priest, which was basically the Vicious Syndicate burn undead priest list, but with one uh, Brittleskin zombie. Even though Brittleskin zombie is objectively worse than uh, the priest one. His name is escaping me right Shadowed now. Shadowed Spirit. Um, Shadowed Spirit. Yeah, clearly better. But having one extra, just because when you didn't draw an undead, the deck felt so bad, um, and there weren't that many. So having one more really helped with the brick. The brick draws. Um, so yeah, those are probably my top two, as I had alluded, uh, the Naga priest, I have a quick, funny story. I had a student who, um, uh, liked to get me off topic. <laughs> of course, students love to get you off topic. Um, it was a like one-on-one class and he asked me, um, whether I played any games and I was like, you know, I asked him if he'd heard of Hearthstone and he goes, oh, my dad plays Hearthstone. So we had this conversation, like every class, he'd be like, my dad wants to know this. <laughs> and I'd tell him he'd come back and he found out I was playing Naga Priest and he came back one day and said so my dad tried the deck and it's terrible and he hates it <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was ever a super popular deck because if you don't draw the Serpent Wigs you're sad
0: <laughs> it eventually evolved to be, um, if I recall it eventually evolved a little bit past just being Serpent Wigs but yeah it was yeah. a it was a deck that evolved over time I really liked it. I played a lot of games with it but um I think we've already kind of answered this as well, but uh what kind of deck styles do you prefer? It seems like mostly aggro is your is your jam.
1: Mostly. And not exclusively. Um I do play like I really liked the um Habugabu Shaman uh, as well.
0: That that I was I was gonna bring that up because you were saying I like decks that have lots of different Outs and 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 ideas and different directions it can go and Habu Gabu Shaman I think really exemplified that because every game you could win in an entirely different way and what you you would base your win condition really on on the matchup and be like okay what am I doing here it's way different against aggro than this I, it had so many different directions to go to I love that deck that was a lot of fun
1: yeah no I really enjoyed that deck and I think there's a lot of you know I can find fun and definitely in different kinds of decks and then i'll even do sort of a control um coaching with like wicked good once in a while um which is fun but uh i trust myself to navigate that much more if he's also on the call
0: i i I usually make i usually make him do aggro when i have a coaching with him um except for the one time i was like should we do uh small priest he's like no because what will happen is uh, I'll just be yelling at you to move really fast at the in the last twenty seconds, and we won't accomplish anything. So, but I usually it's hard to do coachings
1: them. on. Yeah, when it's an APM turn, you kind of just have to go. Um, but yeah, mostly the mostly the smork. Um, yeah,
0: nice. So, what are the modes do you play?
1: Um, well, I'm liking twist. I play wild every once in a while. I'll see like a raffle deck and it'll be really silly and I'll try it. Uh, since I have been playing since 2015, um, I have enough cards to usually not have to craft very much if I see a wild deck, but I never know what I'm like, I never know what my opponent is doing in wild ever. Um, duels is fun, I haven't played a ton recently, but I enjoy duels. I always kind of forget about it and then come back and go, this is fun, I should do this more. Um, battlegrounds, I know very, I have played it kind of in the way that my boyfriend has played Hearthstone. <laughs> If people talk about it I can vaguely follow what they're talking about, but I don't know the meta. Uh so.
0: I think if you just invest, like, you know, I'm gonna play Battlegrounds for this afternoon or just, you know, put a put a put a good two, three hour block into it. And then and then usually people will just get hooked and even if you're not figuring it all out, you, the the way those games work, it's a lot of fun. Um mm-hmm. and I'm with you too. I don't I, I rarely play duels. Um I occasionally play arena. Not very often. Um I haven't tried to yet. We already talked about that. Wild. I I I like playing some weird decks. Like I usually like take like a Mark McKay deck and play that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I I love playing Sunkeeper Raw Rogue because nobody sees that coming, and when you pull off that combo, which you can actually do fairly consistently, uh, when people are getting tw- uh in Dome for twenty, and then they kill it, and you just get it cheat death back, and you do it again. It's it's just a beautiful thing. No one knows how that card works, but um to wrap up our interview um, what is something somebody might find surprising about you? It doesn't have to be serious it, it could be something quirky
1: well I'm realizing when I put down I kind of already gave away what I had originally thought of putting which is that I used to play even though I'm like pretty smork now I used to play very kind of value pile and I thought Ticketus Warlock was unbeatable and terrible um, because it was for me since I had no win condition in my deck um, turns out you do need a win condition um, Against decks with that destroyed, you know, one third of your deck at least So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's other something that people find surprising about me um, This is kind of random, but my go-to fun fact tends to be that um, I am named after my mother's cat not my username but my real name um she had a cat that she named after uh, that was like her soulmate cat and so even though my name it's technically like my great aunt's name but really it was because she wanted to name me after her cat who died a little bit before i was born um so uh
0: there's no thought of like uh, reincarnation here like oh this is my cat now in human form or anything
1: I mean, I would be honored to be that cat in human form. It seems like it was a really, uh, really special cat, um, who, like, a very independent cat, also kind of a ruthless hunter. Now we keep our cats indoors, but that wasn't really (laughs) the way that people did things at the time. And, um, uh... Definitely if they're like my aunt had a really annoying blue jay in her garden and then one day came home to find the blue jay's head on her pillow like godfather style as a gift <laughs> from this cat. But otherwise, I swear, really sweet cat. Um, and so, uh, yes, I I w- <laughs> ruthlessness aside, I don't consider myself someone who would put the blue jay head on the pillow, but I would be honored to be a very sweet cat's uh reincarnation and we'll keep the ruthlessness to harsta.
0: I don't know if that's ruthless. I, I a cat's going to cat. And that's mm-hmm. just that is just cat's instinct to say, "Hey, thanks for the the food. And here here's a gift back for you. I took care of that mouse that's been troubling you. There was a bird that clearly was menacing you. I took care of it. Here you go." I mean, that's just cat being a cat. This trip highlights I'm actually going to share because because we ask I guess this question sometimes, but I don't think we ever like um, provide these facts. I used to work at a place uh, in college called Sugar Jones, and what this place was was it was I, I I it was in a college town. I went to UMass Amherst, and you used to call up like you were ordering pizza or calzones, but you would order hot fresh baked cookies. So you mm-hmm. could call up and be like, "Hey, I want three chocolate chip, two white chocolate macadamia, and oatmeal raisin, and whatever." And we used to have deals. And we would deliver them hot, fresh, out of the oven with milk and Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Nice. that it was yeah. fantastic. In a college and, town? And, Perfect. Oh, yeah. I, and I used to be... So I was in the five-college system. And we had... Um, it was like Amherst College, UMass, Hampshire, which was kind of the stoner school. And then you had Smith and uh, Holyoke, which were the, the two all-girl schools. And like you always knew... Right around 11 o'clock was when the stoners from uh, Hampshire would be like, Hey, man, you got some cookies? I want the cookies. But uh, I miss that place. I used to be able to go to parties after, after hours, and I'd bring some cookies that i bake at the very end. I was known as the Sugar Jones guy. It was great. <laughs> I, I did tour Hampshire uh, when I was oh, looking at schools really?
1: and got that impression. I toured, like, so many schools, and I applied to 14. It was really excessive. Like, do not, It's that's not necessary.
0: <laughs> I, have, I applied to two <laughs> schools. I applied to WPI, which is a school I wanted to go to. I got accepted. Um, I had issues with, um, my SATs were like 10 points off. So mm-hmm. I had to retake them again. I was going to go ROTC. And they were like, well, too late. I said, all right, whatever. I took the test anyway. Um, and then I decided to enlist into the uh, National Guard. And then I was about to go on vacation to Florida. Uh the week before I was to go into MEPS, which is where you go when you process to be in the army, and I got a letter saying, Hey, your application's been accepted to the WPI and I was just like, you know what, whatever. And I had already I, when I went the day before I left for uh Army, I applied to UMass Amherst and like three days after I got back I got accepted. I started in the I started a semester late. It was great. Um, wouldn't change anything because I love my time at UMass, and WPI would have been fun, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, anyway, now that we've talked a little bit about you, we know who you are, you know, so much for, as much as you can know somebody in a 15-minute conversation, uh, let's briefly talk about the new expansion. So, um, we're not gonna get into it too much today, we're already 40 minutes in, and we still have a main topic to get to. Uh, we'll talk about the, uh, Titans... Over the next few weeks as as we get closer, Um, but uh, This is a new expansion. There's a couple keywords each class is going to get a Titan and a keeper I believe the Titan is um, a new mechanic a new keyword and basically you get a minion that can attack but it has Kind of like a location like ability where you discover one of their three abilities and each one has these unique abilities and maybe some text on their car that happens. And you, once you've used up all three of those abilities, which you can only use one a turn, you can then attack with them. But as crazy as that sounds, they're minions, so they can still be interacted with. So they can be killed, they can be polymorph, they can be whatever. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how dominating they are. Now, a lot of these titans have really interesting powers that even just getting them down and using once could be super good. Like for instance, Ionar uh, for Druid, I think that's the name, that's how I say it. Um, their abilities are crazy like um, restore your health to full. I think one, is it restore your mana crystals? Uh, I could be wrong about that. but
1: uh, Restore your hero to full health or draw cards until your hand is full or refresh your mana crystals. Um, she has 10 mana, but you can refresh all of your mana crystals if you want. <laughs> the same turn that you play her and then still have 10 more mana. And you're druid, so it's not turn 10.
0: <laughs> right. And now these cards cannot be generated. You cannot discover them. You cannot... Now, you can discover them from your deck, I assume. Like, like if you, like, draw a card from your deck, draw a copy from your deck. I'm, I'm assuming that that works. But you cannot randomly generate them out of thin air. Um... Uh, but so far we've we've gotten I believe the Mage one, uh, the Paladin one, the Death mate one, excuse me, the Demon Hunter one, the Hunter one, the Warrior one. So I think we're about halfway through. Uh, the Priest one. Well, so uh, what do you think of the Priest one as a as a, as a uh, self-proclaimed Priest main? As uh,
1: well, definitely
0: not a Shadow Priest card, um, but
1: or at least uh, it would be. I do run into Shadow Priest sometimes that are like a hybrid control thing, but... um, I do think that this card is interesting for... I mean, it's definitely a lot of value, and Control Priest doesn't tend to struggle in the value department, but um, whenever there's, you know, late game slugfests to control decks, that's always helpful to have more value.
0: so, and... so the, to let our to let our viewers know what this card does. It's oh seven yes. <laughs> seven, mana three, seven mana three ten Titan with um after you use an ability, discover any legendary minion. Any is an interesting term there. Um uh, obviously it will not include the titans, I believe, because that's what we've already said. But um its abilities are you can either shape the stars, which is to choose a non-Titan minion, summon a copy of it with plus two, plus two. You and and that's not your minion. That's a minion. So um, that could be your opponent's uh, Blackwater Bohemian. You can strike from history, which is to choose to remove two enemy minions, remove them from the game. That sounds like a poof effect, not a destroy. So that sounds like it would bypass Death Rattles. That sounds like it would be basically silence and remove. Uh, And then you could also Vision of Heroes. Which is summon a random six cost minion give it Taunt and Lifesteal. So th- this, this has... This is sick. This has a lot of value. I don't think it needs... I know you said it doesn't really feel like it has Shadow Synergy. I don't think it needs to. I think you still put this in. And this is like a, a break break in case of emergency. Hey, I'm on turn seven. I got a Titan. Um, I can do something with this. I don't think there's... I, that's what I think of all the Titans that I've seen so far. Is Some of them you could probably build around. But I think they're just like, this is a good card. This is your, this is a This is, uh, you know, Tar Creeper when it used to be good. This is like a card you just throw in your deck no matter what.
1: Yes, some of the Colossals are that way, like uh, Leviathan and Krabatoa, right? Like, mostly, unless you have a very specific reason not to, you throw it in the deck, um, And I do think that a lot of the, especially because they have three abilities, they're very flexible, many of the Titans. And so that means that you don't necessarily have to only put them in a certain kind of deck. I mean, some of them, you're probably going to want to, you know, you might build a deck around a particular ability that they have. um, And, you know, really low to the ground decks may not want to have this potentially clogging up their hand. Although if you're more like a, burn Shadow Undead, I would see you being more likely to, say, want to copy one of your minions um, in the late game if you've kind of run out of gas. um, With the Priest Titan, since it has that shape of the stars.
0: Yeah, especially with something like a maybe a, a Shadowed Spirit. And you generate a legendary minion on top of that, so.
1: Right, so you have something else to play next turn. Um, and it is discovered, which we know from the counten- from the Countess, Um, is much better than random, Um, of course that's always true, but uh, and any here, I I believe you're right that it still doesn't include Titans, but um, which you can't get in any way, like you can't evolve into them, you can't summon them, you can copy an existing Titan though with like Cover Artist, Um, so I imagine Cover Artist is going to show
0: up (laughs) more than it has so far, I I think people are thinking that, but I think it's the same people that thought Tony plus um uh the jailer plus, you know, our our Fires of Zinajari plus steam cleaner was gonna be this meta tyrant. Um it's it's something that sounds nice on paper, but the amount of time you'll be you'll see a few um highlights of these things, but I don't I personally don't think it's gonna happen a lot. Um, uh, but I think people are gonna try the heck out of it, at least in the first week. Definitely, uh, people are well, going to try the heck out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying I won't. I just don't. I don't think it's going to be the meta tier that people think they are. But the interesting thing is, like cover artists, you copy it in the state it's in. So if you copy, so what I wonder is if I use it. So so the mage, mage the mage one's interesting. Let me pull up the mage one. Um, this is Norgannon, and it's a use an ability, double the power of the other abilities, and you can either. DL5 damage, enemies cards cost one more next turn, or you can cast one random secret. So if you use, like, say, DL5 damage, then the next ability would discover two secrets or make the spell, the minions cost two more mana. So, in theory, what happens is you use use an ability, now your next thing is doubled, you cover artist, and then you use the ability, there's only two left, when you copy it, it's in the state that it's in. So it's only going to have two uh, abilities left. So in theory, you're already ready to double them. My question is, when you copy it, are you copying it in a state that it's already cast a spell that turn or not? And I don't know if we've... I'm, I'm sure hats already answered this. Um, I think people assume that you can. But I'm thinking if you copy it in a state, it's kind of like when you copy something that's frozen. Boom, it's frozen, right? It's you, you, great. I got I that big minion. But it's still frozen. So I don't know um, how that's going to work, but it'll be interesting at least.
1: From what I've seen, it's like it has rush. So if you copy a rush minion, even if you copied a rush minion that attacks, it can still attack. Um, If it's frozen, it's still frozen, right? But um, so if you have a frozen titan, then it can't use its ability because you use an ability in place of attacking. Um, But from what I saw from Hat, the... um, If you copy Norganon, and I believe that uh, Leo, the game designer, answered this as well, but um, you can use it right away. Um, But, you know, if you copy Norganon after he used something, then you only have the two left, but they are doubled and you can use it right away. So theoretically, and I think this is kind of like the Tony combo. I don't think this is really the thing to do. Theoretically, you play Norganon, which is six mana play Reverberations, or, sorry, play Norganon first, cast like a Mage Secret, play Reverberations, uh, make your enemies' cards cost two more next turn, cast two coins that you got from the Dispenso Bot. <laughs> See, this is very ambitious. Cast Reverberations again, now you can deal 20 damage, because it started at five and then it was doubled twice. Um, this doesn't seem like it's worth 20. 20 damage. But it is a lot of damage um <laughs> and someone it is technically possible to do that in one turn with Morganon.
0: and and i would like to point out um just aside that uh, so we know we've already known who the lead designers have been recently like we know that Cora did uh uh nathrio we know that Celestalon selesodon did rise of uh uh, uh, Lich King, March of the Lich King. We know that um, Leo did festivals. Uh, the lead designer for this one is Alex Smith. So um, his Twitter handle is um, at Gonzo G O N N Z O H S. Um, so make sure you go give him a follow and give him you know good kudos for a very leading a very interesting set. I don't think it's been as publicized that he is the lead. As Some of the other folks and and uh, this is sets looking very exciting. So I I I think we should all you know, give them some credit Um, Now I I mentioned keepers now. There's not a keyword keeper. It's just it's kind of based on the lore Um, and for example, we have tier who is a keeper and His he's a paladin keeper and his ability is to resurrect a two three and four attack paladin minion so obviously You think of things like um, uh, the 2-3 that gives Minion Summon Rush and um, Divine Shield. You
1: Mm -hmm. think of,
0: I don't know, uh, uh, Anoyo Troop. You think of, I believe, Kangor is for attack. Uh, Maybe I'm I'm wrong about that.
1: Kangor is 3, I think. Hold on.
0: Oh, okay. So even better. Um, It's form... No. Um, Wait. Kangor. I must have spelled it wrong. Uh, yeah, it is three attack. Okay, so um, perfect. So he he falls into that, and it never hurts getting a second kangor after um, a priestess silenced and killed yours. So, uh, so, but they're they're not necessarily a keyword, but they're very they're going to be very powerful and prevalent. Um, are there any other f- final cards you want to talk about that have been released so far before we move on to our main topic?
1: Uh, I'm just generally. I'm um, excited to see more of the cards. I think the way that they're going to do the reveals this time is really cool, where they're revealing all the Titans and then um, we'll kind of get a full class every day. So one half of it released by one content creator and then the second half. And then you can go ahead and theorycraft. And this will be after neutrals. So first the Titans, then neutrals, and then um, classes on the same day. So then you can theorycraft right away, which I think is really cool. Um, and I'm looking forward to that.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't theorycraft. I, I say, oh, this would be cool in my head with if we do this and this, and that's about it. And then other people mm-hmm. do it, and I'm like, all right, great. And <laughs> It doesn't mean I don't like building decks. I just, I like playing the set until, like, even with Warcraft. So I've played I played Warcraft for years. I'm kind of on a break right now. But, like, people are always excited about the new sets and coming out. I'm like, wait, I haven't accomplished all the achievements that I want to do, and I still have things to get done, and I always wanted to finish... What I was in the middle of, and I never could, because then the next thing came out. So, I'm looking forward to the new sets, but I don't, I never theory. Oh, what are your thoughts on, um, I haven't played it yet. I've had it played against me a couple times, but um, the set card this time around is thankfully bad. It's the Prison of Yogg. Um, Basically, what it does is, it's a location that's neutral, and you, when you use it, it's seven mana. You heard me, seven mana for a location. Um, When you use it, you target anybody a minion or, or, or a hero or us you know whatever and then it's casts four random spells and it tries to target the the creature or person you targeted um the, it's, it works a lot like rune um um uh arch the archmage the Rune of the archmage where it would uh Try to hit your um, whatever was on the other side of the board first. But like if all their minions were dead and it was or all your minions were dead and it's give something plus two plus two, it would give it to your enemy. So it, it, it would it targets that um, in that way. Um, one thing I, I'm sure we're going to see people that are going to try at the very last second to target themselves to try to get those flash heals and, and um, the divine shield for your face and all that kind of stuff. But what are your thoughts so far? How have you enjoyed it?
1: I have not played it yet, um, but I feel like I should just even in, <laughs> even though it'll make it take even longer to get to legend. Probably give it a try. Um, I know that some people have been trying it. I saw like clip of them, um, or I was like briefly on Kibler's stream and he was trying it. I can't remember exactly. I, I it didn't quite do what he needed it to do, which I think is often the case um, with. This card, I I have heard from some people who've played it that it was better than they thought it would be, but, um, and you can use it, you know, if it doesn't go well once, you can use it two more times if spending the seven mana wasn't, you know, if you're in the kind of matchup where you could afford to spend the seven mana for it. Um, and you can target kind of, it's a bit of a Hail, Hail Mary But you can target what you need that Hail Mary to target, at least. Like, I really need a buff on this minion so I can get one more damage for lethal, or I want to target their face, it's probably a little more reliable, to get um, just a little bit of damage for lethal. Um, Or I'm at one health and probably this won't work, but maybe it will. (laughs) Um, Or at least draw me a card or something. Um, Because it is free on later activations. Um, but seven mana is a lot of mana up front. Um, I am kind of happy that we don't have a release card that isn't completely changing up the meta because um, I wanted to be able to explore this one a little bit more and not have like Renethal, which was fun but definitely made a whole new meta by himself. <laughs> so yeah,
0: I thought Sunwell was fine. Like you see it occasionally, but it, and occasionally your opponent generates something you're like, really. That, that that You get the perfect card from that, but for the most part, it's it's not a great card. Uh, this is definitely the opposite of Renethal. It is not good. And it's definitely like a, I would say it's a win more card, but I kind of don't think it is. I think it's kind of a card that you say, hey, I'm already ahead in this game. Let me play this card and see how I can make things worse for myself. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's kind of where I see this card being, but you know, hey, it, it's it's kind of a perfect flavor for what they're doing. The Prison of Yogg-Saron is kind of a chaotic uh, fight and wow, and, and you lose your sanity. So, if a card's going to help you lose your sanity, I, I think it's a appropriate location. But anyway, it's time for our main topic, and it's it's about something we haven't really been doing much in this episode. is It's about being proactive. So <laughs> yes. So, what does it mean when we talk about being proactive?
1: So, being proactive, I mean, people use it in terms of to be proactive within a game or a proactive deck, but in either case it's about focusing on trying to end the game on your terms um, rather than trying to kind of prolong the game or prevent what your opponent is trying to do, which of course is also strategies that a lot of people enjoy doing. Um, in a proactive game, you know, you're trying, usually that means you're being more aggressive, that means you're spending all your mana, um, you do still, I think there's kind of a misconception that proactive decks, um, don't care about what the opponent is doing, um, or are just play the green card and go, and certainly all decks differ in their you know how complex they are to play. But there can be um, productive decks that are really difficult, you know, ones that are really flexible. Often, you know, if you've built a low-to-the-ground deck, you don't just have one green card to play. <laughs> Hopefully you don't. Um, and you do want to know your opponent's deck and game plan because you want to know how to make things awkward for them to stop you. Um, not so much to you know, and to know like what is the kind of thing that they can deal with, and what is the kind of thing that they can't deal with, um, and is there a way that I can approach things, you know, make a board that, for example, if you're facing Blood Decay and you are Enrage Warrior, let's get all my minions to too much health for Blood Boil, um, if you, uh, you know, you want to think about what is. Um, my opponent trying to do in a this will help me try to win versus playing you know proactive decks are playing to win versus playing to not lose um, I mean reactive decks play to win eventually <laughs> but a proactive deck plays to win sooner rather than later um,
0: so this this sounds more this sounds more like so often we think like hey let's make him have the card so blood boil good example uh it's, it's, i believe it's a six mana card right five or six mana um, five
1: mana card yeah
0: five man five mana card and you said well should i go wide here what if they have blood boil and a lot of times you say well let's just make them have it let's play our game plan my game plan is to go wide and in this case that's that's not necessarily being proactive that's being kind of sticking to your 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 game plan we're being proactive as you're saying it as well okay um i can be proactive by instead of going wide maybe trying to buff the people that i have on there to get out of range of blood boil um so that way i'm not reacting to losing all my minions but instead i have prepared myself for the inevitability of them having blood boil on five because i always do and, and go face there and then develop after that is that was that a good assessment
1: yeah, well, and I think it depends, right? You know, so like today when I was playing Outcast, I was looking at it, going, I cannot play around. There's nothing I can do if I play around blood boil, so I have to hope they don't have it. Um, but if there was something I could do that played around blood boil that was still pressuring, right? That was still achieving some game plan that might beat a blood decay, um, then uh, then that might have been the the line. Um, or if you're playing swarm undead priest against a control priest you got you know they probably have shard of the narrow (laughs) so can you make them play it before you've dumped your whole hand and you can still then you know because you don't want all your death rattles to get silenced all your buffs to get silenced it's very annoying to get shard of the narrow if you're swarm undead um but you want to try to think well maybe I'll, i'll have some reload i won't unless you have to put all in which sometimes you do, um, then you want to think about, you know, playing around is something that you should do if you can afford to do it and not do if you can't afford to do it. And that's part of what makes it hard is, and I won't pretend that I always make that decision correctly. Um, but uh, yeah, being productive is not just always making them have it. It's also thinking about how can I best push damage in a way that's gonna be effective.
0: Now, with proactive, when we talk about this, proactive doesn't always mean you're doing something. It means planning, right? So, let me, let me ask you if this... Let me give you a scenario. You tell me if, if I'm being proactive or not. Because I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this in a way that makes sense. I've been playing Big Druid lately. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm... Like I said, we talked about this earlier. And uh, sometimes I will equip the weapon and get it to one health. I mean, to, to one durability. And I'll have a board, and then I'll hold swinging on the weapon even if I had enough room for those minions, because I'm expecting them to uh, whatever, clear my board, and then that way I am ready to reload that next turn to swing with the weapon, then hit the drum circle, give them plus two, plus four. So is that being proactive, or is that being reactive in a way?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I, I can see what you mean about people might define these terms differently. In terms of how I'm thinking about proactive, I would say that that is because it's playing to your game plan. And it's playing to what's going to be maximally pressuring given that they may have a clear. Because um, there's this tension right between you want pressure but you also want reload, um, and you want to be able to bridge. If you're a deck with a big swing turn, you want to be able to bridge to your swing turn. Um, so, something that is really about forwarding your own game plan um, in the way that's going to be most effective, you know at stopping them from stopping you I guess (laughs) as opposed to just stopping them um is what kind of I would think of when people say proactive but I also am realizing there are more than one way um to define this but in general if you're playing a proactive deck or you're playing like the beatdown in a mashup even if you're a control deck you want your opponent to be on the back foot And they are having to try to clear your boards or heal themselves or, um, you know, react to what you're doing to try to just get themselves back on their game plan instead of your, you know, you're sitting there like, okay, this is how I'm going to push the most, um, given that they might have a clear. Um, So I guess it is technically reactive in that you're reacting to the fact that they might have a clear, but. I think you can have a proactive strategy and still do that, if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's not a, it's not an uncomplicated subject. But you you mentioned right there that you can still be the beatdown or you can still be proactive if you're playing a control deck. What how do you decide and this is another topic of the game, how do you decide, even if you're playing something in control, where you need to be proactive versus reactive?
1: Really what I find the most useful is to sit there and try to imagine what the later turns are going to look like in this game and how you're going to win. Um, you know, if you're playing Blood Decay, um, I, will, I will imagine. I did play a few games of this in order to know my enemy. <laughs> so if you're playing Blood Decay and you queue into a control priest and you kind of imagine the future of this game, if you just kind of sit back and stay at good health. It's not great for you because the priest is just going to make more stuff than you can make, generally. So, then you're going to say, okay, and priest does have healing, but it doesn't have as much healing as it used to have pre-rotation. So, uh, then you can start to see that the more likely winning game plan is, I'm going to try to get Mograine down early, I'm going to try to... um, you know, you actually have more minions in a way than they do to try to get a bunch of minions down, see if I can push a little bit of damage before they just outvalue me. Um, you know, or if you're a blood decay facing something with really high inevitability, which we don't have a great example in the format right now. But, um, you know, if you have something like back when we had like phylactery warlock, you were facing down a phylactery warlock and you're like, if I just sit here, they are going to win. You can't out-heal a phylactery warlock. So you have to think about, okay, I can't just react to their game plan because there's nothing I can do about their game plan if they get there. So therefore, I have to um, make them react to me and basically disrupt them by the fact that they can't do what they want to do because I'm pressuring them. Um, And some control decks are better at that than other control decks. Like Control Priest is not great at pressuring, even when it needs to. Um, But most decks have some ability to play the other way. Um, And similarly, if you're playing an aggressive deck, you may be facing another deck that's even lower to the ground than you are, or that just happened, they happen to get a draw that's just more aggressive than your draw was. And so then you have to kind of play on the back foot and just clear their board because you're only gonna win if you get board control back, so. Um, unfortunately, that means you might not be able to go face as much as you normally would want to go, and you might have to play the control deck, even though you're an aggro deck, in that particular game. Um, So it is about knowing the matchup, although when in doubt, (laughs) do your deck's game plan, right? If you are like, I don't even know what my opponent's playing right now, um, then do your own game plan.
0: I had a deck the other night on stream. They were playing mage and they whipped out the um ma- the minion that de- dealt one damage to everything um every time you cast a spell. Oh and yeah. Then they followed it with the minion that every time a minion takes one damage, they die. Yes, uh Hollow Technician, I think. That was a bit of a surprise to me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um yeah that that was a bit surprising
1: in that case there's a day nine video who's a magic player um and content creator uh where he has this whole rant about how if um you don't know what your opponent's playing it's probably not efficient just kill him <laughs> he has a very amusing rant about it. just kill them um sometimes you may not be able to because they just cleared your whole board with Holo Technician, but. Uh, in general. When in doubt, just kill them. You can't play around stuff you don't know. So.
0: Okay, and we, so we've touched on this a little bit, but uh, uh, when do you decide... So, again, so we, we said basically, hey, if like um, uh, aggro deck is uh, more low to the ground than you are, you might have to be the... Um, they are the beat down, you're the uh, control kind of. Um, but when do you decide to be proactive, and when is it better to be reactive? So, in general, um, you know, your general game plan
1: if you're playing a more aggressive deck, which the proactive decks I think, you know, that's kind of where my focus is here, is um, do as much damage as possible. Send your stuff face. Make them trade. And trading is for blockers. Um, use all of your mana this turn and next turn. You don't want to use all your mana this turn in a way that leaves you nothing. Like, you don't want to use the coin this turn if that gives you no play next turn, most of the time. Um, And you want to always be counting your damage, you know, keeping board control only if that's going to help you do more damage next turn and the turn after. Um, And of course, checking for lethal is better than keeping board control. I still do this sometimes, where I like send my two damage into a threatening minion and then realize I had lethal if I had sent that two damage face. That's the most basic, count lethal first and still. So it always bears reminding. Um, You know, I've also learned, like, if you can put your opponent to one, just do it. They have so little they can do from a position of having one health. Um, Unless you're very sure that you can have actual lethal next turn, um, then... Swing swing now is usually, you know, if you're playing a proactive deck, again, that that's its main game plan, usually ship it face. Exceptions might be, um, it's something like an anima extractor, you leave it alone and <laughs> you won't be able to kill them fast enough for them to be able to punish you for it. You're literally gonna die, of course, right? Then you have to trade. Um, if you don't have lethal and they have, you know, lethal on board, um, obviously you need to trade. Um. Or, uh, trading now will pay off in more damage next turn, almost certainly. You probably don't know for certain, but you're like, probably, if I do this value trade, then that'll mean I have this minion so I can do more damage next turn. Um, But generally, if you are really on the, you know, you wanna try to make your board awkward for them to trade into, rather than making the trades yourself, if you can. Um, And that's part of where the strategy, I think, comes in as well. Where people say well you just always ship everything face so why what are you thinking about but actually you don't always ship everything face and when do i not is a lot of what i'm still learning about Um, but in general it's what maximizes my damage if you're playing an aggressive deck Um, or what maximizes my ability to hit my swing turn have them in range of my swing turn
0: And it's not always about killing them. It's about proactively is about disrupting their game plan, right? Like, so I think a good example potentially of this, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. um, I think the slime in Warlock is a good example because let's say they play their slime and it's a 5-3 and they have a uh, chat in there. You could leave it alone, go face. But what they're then going to do is they're going to cast a spell on it that uh kills it resummons it doubles it whatever it is that warlock's doing nowadays and because you weren't proactive in dealing with it they now have swung the board and even though you knew it was coming now they are in control and now they can just keep hideous corpsing things and, and all that stuff so like i think proactive doesn't necessarily always mean go face it means like understanding what your opponent is doing what your game plan is and that you need to disrupt what they're doing in order to continue your game plan of hitting them in the face. Would you kind of agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And it depends, again, on whether you can deal with. So if you have the ability in your hand to kill it now, deal with a flesh behemoth. Or whatever it's going to summon. And if it's a flesh behemoth. Well, one one of my favorite things to do with the flesh behemoth is just make it so they can't kill it until I'm ready for it to die. But if you can deal with the with the slime now, then that's absolutely the best thing to do unless you can kill them this turn, of course. But um, other times you might have to just hope that they don't have the thing that kills it themselves and just make it so they can't kill their slime off so you have an extra turn to get them over the top. Um, so it's either denying them, right? You know, proactively dealing with what they put out Or proactively killing them (laughs) so that it doesn't matter that they put it out. Um, But yeah, Chad Warlock is an interesting one when you're playing a load of the ground deck because um, if they do get that on curve, um, you may or may not have a way to deal with it if it goes off. Um, But if you do have a way to deal with it, then yeah, proactively dealing with it is probably the, the right call. It just depends on the deck,
0: of course. Yeah, I've um so I played a couple games yesterday with the druid and on turn two, um, I did a uh what was it? The uh the one mana spell, discover a spell, it costs two less this turn. Mm-hmm. And I took it was in a mirror match I believe it was a mirror match, and I said, you know what? I am gonna take uh um uh Convoke Convoke the Spirits because I think I'm gonna need this before the end of the game. And it ended up winning me the game in the end, uh, because I ended up getting it ended up casting uh summon six one ones and then it cast uh the the give you millions plus two plus four and taunt and it did wonderful things but like most of those times when I'm playing especially in those mirrors I'm proactively trying i think it's proactive I'm like my game plan is to their their game plan is the same as mine basically so hey here's an incarceration I'm gonna take this now because I know they're gonna play a wamper and then I can incarcerate the Wamper, taking it off the board for three turns, then their hedge mage is just sitting there, and I'm going face. So I think mm-hmm. that potentially there is too. Is, it's, it's not just about getting your damage to the face. It's about how to proactively deal with what you know your opponent's going to do in order to continue going.
1: Yeah, that's a great point of thinking ahead to what does my opponent want to do, and what is my best way to um yeah, not let that work for them and and keep going with, with my game plan. Is it to yeah get the incarceration ahead of time because you know they're gonna have a whomper um or at something out of the wamper if you don't manage to kill it fast enough, or you know, if, if you don't have a chance to use the um incarceration right away. Um or, you know, I'm playing Unholy and I discover the scourge and it's a game where I know that I'm probably not going to get there just through the board normally. So I go, okay, yeah, seven managed the Scourge off of my Nerubian Vizier. Sure. Uh, that has won me, like, mirror matches before. Um, so, yeah, sticking thinking ahead to what's going to further your game plan, um, including understanding um, ways in which, you know, you can't keep on your game plan if they got Wumper off before you. Uh, that's <laughs> going to stop you in your tracks unless you thought ahead of, or were able to find something, for example, like incarceration. And then you're like, well, good job on the whimper I'm going st- <laughs> to keep going with what I was doing.
0: And I'm wondering how many of our listeners are asking themselves, what is incarceration? That is this week's Good puzzle. question. You can go figure that one out for yourselves. Um, so when... One one thing that I think helped me improve my game in general was learning to not necessarily hold things for value. Uh, sometimes you just got to play your cards. And a lot of times you would have a card, you'd be like, oh, this text is great. I have to combo with this and I do this and then the X happens and the Y happens. And instead of playing it on turn four, because that's your best play. And um, I would say sometimes you're... Um, you know, your four mana four five is better than not playing anything to try to get value out of it later. That, I think, feels like a very important proactive topic. Let's we'll, we'll speak to that a little bit.
1: Absolutely. That's something that I think was also something that really improved my play when I started thinking about that more. And that when I watch really top players, they will often use a card. And I'm like, wait, that's not the optimal way to use that card. But in this game, it it is, it is the optimal play for this situation. You know, maybe you end up playing a um, amalgam of the deep for, as a two, three, because you really just have to, that's all you've got. And you know you need board or you need to contest something on the board. Um, or in um, the sort of burn undead priest that ran shadowed spirits, don't hold your undying allies for like this great value turn where you get like two shadowed spirits and a haunting nightmare and it's awesome um you probably wouldn't need that if you had just had it on just the shadowed spirit on turn three or turn two with the coin um with the swarm on dead priest you do want to hold it a little more because you need that value otherwise you run out of gas really fast so you have to know your deck but um oftentimes you yeah, have something's the best play now especially if you don't have another decent play or you really need to deal with something on the board and this will deal with it, even if it seems suboptimal. Um, you know, sometimes you might've been saving your Leadrin for something, but then they played like a really threatening minion and you can clear it with Leadrin plus like a couple one ones. one Just do it um, because, you know, a card that's still in your hand when you die has no value.
0: And I always think of it like so. The cult, high cultist is a card that's like that, too. You try to hold for maximum value. And the dream play is you, you clear, they clear two of your shadowed spirits that had undead allies on it. And then you clear two and you play the cultist. And now you have a board full of them again. Yay. And that happens sometimes. But sometimes you just got to play it to get an egg and an arms dealer back. And just say, okay, I now have a little bit of board I can kind of contest with here and keep that pressure on. Um, yeah. But like, the one thing I always try to envision is like, yeah, does it suck to play a Liadrin on turn two with nothing to follow it up with? Yes. I think of that as taunt. I'm playing against a uh Totem Shaman. They are gonna run me the heck over because I am not getting what I need fast enough. So I'm gonna play Liadrin. They're gonna they're gonna kill it, sure. But that bought me a turn. I probably I might still lose anyway, but at least it bought me a turn Because they're going to clear it because that that has taunt on it. It doesn't have taunt, but it it essentially has taunt on it. Right. And so um, now maybe I can get, you know, the next turn where I get boogie down or whatever. And and I can start to try to stabilize. And and so sometimes you have to do that. And I think a lot of people often just say, well, no, I'm getting no value out of that. Too bad. You're getting value of that turn. And that's all you need at that moment.
1: Yes. No, and sometimes you can think, you know, it's... The Leandrin can be really great if you use her from behind and then you're able to retake the board, but if, it, if they're going to have boards so much that you can't retake the board even though you saved her, then you might have all well played her, right? Um, so it's really... And yeah, if you could play like Liadrin or you could play something else, you probably would have played something else, but um, yeah, trying to get maximum, especially if you're not Control Priest. Sometimes even if you are. Um... Trying to get maximum value out of your cards um, is something that you can do when you can afford to do it, Um, not something that you necessarily always do. You know, if you think about what's gonna actually put you in the better position in the game um, overall, sometimes that's gonna be to be a little bit ahead early or to not let the Totem Shaman completely roll you over um, and then have to come back from behind in a deck that's not great at coming back from behind, (laughs) so.
0: And it's also matchup dependent If you happen to... If you're playing against something like a Death Knight and you're playing Rogue, and your only play on turn two is Putricide, uh, you might not want to do that against the Death Knight because they have many different ways that they could probably clear that on turn two. Then there's other decks where, like if you're playing against Paladin, uh, depending on what they already have on board, if, they, if their board is clear, then yeah, you can run it out there um but maybe the off op- the op- um, alternative case there would be against a death knight is just a hero power until you can actually follow it up so it isn't just hey should i just throw this out to throw it out there it, having that matchup knowledge helps a lot and, and the more you play the more you- so so if, if if you consistently run out your putricide against death knights and they consistently kill it if it if it's the only thing that's going to prevent you from maybe getting snowballed, fine, but if you have the option of the dagger there, you might want to the dagger there. You'll learn that as you go. But so it's not a hard fast rule to just play the cards whether or not they have uh you have nothing else to do. But it's it's a general rule that people hold on to cards too long to get more value than, than they should. Sometimes it's okay to swing a glaive tar to get one card or two cards. You don't need to hold it for a full relay. Like that's These are the things that I think once you figure out, help you out a lot. Um, Well, what do you think? Um, Any final advice for our listeners um, on being proactive?
1: Um, I think we've covered a lot. I definitely, you know, I know that a lot of what we said is to really know the matchup. um, And to the extent that you're able to, you know, look at what are the popular lists? What are they running um, play different things so that you have a sense of how they go, that's really helpful, but also, um, that's not always possible to be up on all the decks, and so, also just knowing kind of what is your ideal, the deck that you're playing, what is your ideal game plan, and then kind of how do you win. And that helps you kind of know things like, well, I don't win if I lose the board, so I'm going to play something out on the board anyway, versus I win by this swing turn later, and that's like the main way I win, so I better hold on to this card that's crucial for my swing turn. So um, even if you don't have a chance to know <laughs> every matchup inside and out, you can pay attention to the ones you do run into and pay attention to what is your deck really trying to do, because being proactive really is about how do i do what my deck wants to do um in a way and how do i kind of proactively stay a step ahead of my opponent um ideally that also means knowing what your opponent's going to do and preventing them from doing that but um it's knowing your own game plan is the most the most important thing uh, especially if you're crunched for time
0: right and and unless, unless it's uh, controlled for you, so you don't want to waste another 30 minutes of your life, even if you're playing an unfavorable matchup, play those matchups out. Learn how they beat you. Uh, maybe even play that deck. But like, if you just kind of nope out of a game because you know, hey, I usually lose to Death Knight in this situation, then you're never going to learn to find those outs that will help you win that matchup and maybe other matchups. So uh, play those games out. Again, unless it's like a shadow, unless it's like a control priest and you don't want to be there for like 30 minutes and you just played <sighs> three control priests in a row and you had enough. Like, that's understandable, but for the most part, play those unfavorables. That's how you learn this, so you get better. And remember, even if uh, unfavorable, you lose 70% of those games because it's that polarized, that still means you win 30%. So, um, see on it. Um, but I think it's time for dessert. How about you? How What do you think about that? That sounds good. Alright, so uh, as Doc usually says here, uh, please leave us a review if you like the show. Uh, We're growing. We're still here. Um, We're episode 32, I believe, right now. Uh, We have no plans on stopping. More and more and more people listening every week. We appreciate it. Uh, Word of mouth helps if you have a friend that is playing Hearthstone and they're trying to learn how to um, be a better player. We're not a news show. That's what Coin concedes for. That's not what Blizz is for. That's not what Squelch is for. But uh, we're trying to help you and ourselves learn how to be better Hearthstone players. And um, hopefully, we, we even if we help some people, maybe not everybody, maybe everything we're telling you, you already know, maybe it reinforces some stuff. But um, the more people we can get listening to the show, the hopefully, the better we can help everyone get a little better at Hearthstone. Nikesa. Um, one thing we've started asking people lately is, what are, what's your favorite dessert?
1: Uh, well, generally, if there's chocolate and or caramel involved, um, I got these chocolate caramel cookies. There's like chocolate chip caramel cookies. Amazing. Um, also was really good to like break up and then have with ice cream. Um, so it's hard. To, yeah, I would say that's one of my favorite recent um but asking me to pick just one as a person with a major sweet tooth is tricky
0: that's fair i'm assuming you're a fan of the rolos yes yeah chocolate (laughs)
1: caramel in the same place definitely
0: (laughs) definitely a fan and and where can people find you on the social medias so
1: I am not as much on social media as much as Discord, but um, I am megesa Eight on Twitter. Um, I have not been tweeting a lot, but I am going to if the site like doesn't have a dystopian collapse. <laughs> try to be on there more as I,
0: <laughs> I. I noticed this today. You are criminally unfollowed. So please, underfollowed. So please go give her a follow. Um, encourage her to get on there and tweet a little more. No, so here's the thing. Since since the great takeover, the panic, the sky is falling, and I understand he keeps doing things that are stupid. But everyone keeps coming and saying, hey, I'm on this platform now, here's my thing. Hey, I'm on this platform now. Hey, I'm on that platform. You know, you know where they keep posting that? On Twitter. You know where they keep posting? Twitter. You know where people still are? Twitter. So until people that I follow stop posting on Twitter, every time there's a new panic, like today, it's threads on Facebook or something like that. Until there's actually a lack of people talking on Twitter, I'm just staying there. And you can find me there at Tito Santana HS. You can find Doc McButt there at Doc McButt. Um, and you can also find me on Twitch at Tito Santana hss I think you were about to say something, and I kind of just rolled into my uh, spirit. <laughs> so. Oh
1: no worries. Um, no, I was just going to say that is you know, I think. Um wanting to get more into the Hearthstone community space, I'm seeing that that is for better or for worse where it is. Um, And so um, yeah, I'm hoping to get a little more on there and definitely would love to hear from anybody who's listening to the show. So thank you so
0: much for listening. Now, I would suggest on Twitter, so since we're talking about Twitter a little bit, um, get alerts for some people if you want Instant news or up-to-date up to news. Now, don't put your alerts on Ridiculous Hat because you will get way too many alerts. Your phone won't stop banging. Um, I personally have alerts on Celestalon, uh, Songbird, which, uh, Korra, um, Deck Tech, and a couple others. Uh, uh, now, you do get some redundancy there because once PlayHearthstone tweets out, hey, here's the new Titan, they all retweet it. So there's a little redundancy there, but you get a lot of information by having people that you like providing your information that don't tweet constantly have alerts to them because then you just get that information right there. So I, I suggest that if if you're just trying to stay up on things and you want to know, hey, when the next thing's happening. Um, how about shout outs? You got any shout outs this week? Uh, well, I wanted to say thank you so much for having me on.
1: Um, and yeah, I mean, thank you to um, my partner for his support of the Hearthstone that he doesn't play um, and uh, to Coin Concede for having me on um, and that Discord for being a really great place in the community and I'm also um, excited to have joined the um, Bread and Butter Discord um, and uh, a shout out to the teacher of my grad school class who's really making sure that we know our stuff and are not going to go out unprepared into the workforce which is is good actually as the first class i'm taking in this program it's actually encouraging because it says to me that i'm actually going to learn something here Um, i'm going to come out qualified um, and i better make sure i stay on top of my work at the beginning of the week and don't leave it to the end (laughs) so
0: Fair enough. I was going to say you're shouting out your partner, but I guess he's not going to be listening to this podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, And I'm just going to shout out to our boy Doc, who wasn't feeling that well tonight. He should be back next week. Uh, I know people say that um, we should be telling you guys who are going to be on next week, so I'll tell you that next week we're going to have a very special guest. Um, but anyway... I think that's our show. Um Magesa, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Uh very excited. Um hopefully we'll have you on again in the future and talking more um Hearthstone. But um until then, I think we're toast. We'll see you. Bye. Thank you.
1: Two brothers meet one another When they slide up to the mic It's bread and butter with one another Let's start up that recording light